Welcome back, Rage Nation. Definitely not PR friends. Myself, Pete. He needs to stop, like, fucking getting cute with these kicks. John the Mountain Man Stokes. You're not putting them on my models, motherfucker. Chris the non-tech Asian. Put the tape measure up and get some wages. You, yeah, no, you really frustrated me. You walked away and you came back and your scalpel had been thrown across the room. <laughs> I'm just here so I don't get fined. I will will share with you my one rage quit story. Dude, I'm a robot and I don't have a solo across now eight. This is going to be a really great opportunity for everybody to see how you effed up. Welcome back, Rage Nation. We are at it again. We got the boys back. We got Pete here with Dixon and Monsieur Chris. What's going on? What up, though? Let's get it on. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about some Malifaux, of course, because when we get us three together, that's what we're going to talk about. We are actually doing kind of one of our, we usually do these. We've been kind of tournament happy, which has been awesome. But we also like to do episodes geared towards just newer players and clarifying and learning more about the game. And I know something that can be a little overwhelming for people, especially new players, is uh, defining and talking about terrain. Terrain is one of those things in Malifaux that just adds a whole different layer on it. And yeah, there's terrain in other games, but Malifaux is definitely a little more intensive. Not as much as Infinity, but definitely intensive. And it matters. Like the more you know about how to interact with terrain, the better player you will be. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that. We're also going to look at some of the new titles. We're not going to go over the cards because that's not what we do. But we're going to talk about which ones so far being spoiled have excited us. So if you were thinking like, oh, man, Rage Quit's finally going to share their title. No, sorry. Next week. 23rd. So we'll go ahead and get into that. But first, make sure that you guys are following us on Twitter. Make sure you follow us on the Evil Empire Facebook, Instagram, uh, ragequitwire.com and if you want to support us directly check us out on patreon.com slash ragequitwire where you can support us for as little as a dollar uh, gonna get out a little late on the YouTube video going on I had a problem with it rendering but it's getting ready to upload so be on the lookout for that here this week folks I'm excited Flag, and happy flagging about me this. for a talk no I'm not I'm flagging you I was like that I'm excited about everything that you're saying like very happy to like uh, have the spoilers. I'm looking at the spoilers coming down. I love this rider that came down from the Swamp Fiends. Oh my god. Yeah. And I think Chris is very happy about the Jetsa that came at the same time. I'm very happy about Jetsa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry. I'll have something to say for uh, for the Bayou crowd because all I'm going to say is us Bayou players, this is bullshit. Hey, hey, <laughs> I, um, so it doesn't count. She doesn't count. <laughs> of course Rida counts. She is not a gremlin. She doesn't class count. Bayou. I'm just, but much, I'm much, much happier that about the Kurgan with Titania. Oh, so yeah, it looks awesome. I Dude, saw like, that and I'm like, oh, this oh. is like another emissary for Dixon. Yay! Yeah, it's the <laughs> Kurgan's phenomenal. I, he's that melee yeah. reach that he has is just like crazy. So that thing where Ker- and we'll talk about this more once we get to that part, but it, Kerrigan makes me think of like just this rolling terrain, like almost how you like flip a blanket. And he's just tossing models just by flipping the ground. Actually, <laughs> there's a video game called Hollow Knight that yeah. if you look up, there's a, a moss creature. That's exactly what the Kurgan is. It's a giant moss creature that just like lunges at people. Yeah, makes sense. Scary shit. Yep. 
All right, but before we get into all that cool spoiler talk, we're going to get into talking about some of this terrain stuff. So we're going to break it down kind of into three different talks here. So we're going to talk about the different types because just understanding how terrain, the different types impact the game, that's important. What are some of the different effects? You'll find that types of terrain generally will give an effect in the game. And then something that I think is debatable, and especially after, I don't know about you, Chris, but after being at these like three tournaments, just noticing the different amounts of terrain that people put on the board. So we're going to talk about how much terrain we like to put on the board and then just kind of talk about that from there. And then we'll get into some of these new titles that we're excited about that have been revealed by other podcasts. Generally speaking, what types of terrain do you see on a Malifaux board? It's kind of broken down mainly. I don't know. How do you, I mean, when we talk about types, are we looking at more concealing and cover? Is that kind of what we're talking about or no, are those more the effects? There's multiple things like there's the height because you want to have blocking terrain that can actually block on the site. There's dense, so like forest or fog. Okay, like so I think we're I think we're more looking at then maybe instead of saying types, more like the traits because you have blocking, climbable, concealing, dense, destructible, right, hazardous terrain, height, impassable, and severe are the different traits. Right. So it, it, there's a lot of little implications on that. Like as a new player. Uh, making a piece of terrain most pieces of terrain are going to be a complex piece they're going to have multiple types for example acid fog will be dense and also uh hazardous, hazardous. exactly see and it'll be hazardous poison probably or something akin to that yeah and it's kind of the same thing with like a forest a forest is going to be dense but it'll probably also be concealing and severe and severe yeah. yeah so every piece of terrain that you make you can just put traits on it and make sure that it's like you know, agreed by both players. Yeah, and generally speaking, I'm and Chris probably can speak to this more than anybody else. I'm not a super terrain Nazi. <laughs> like when we're playing a game and somebody goes, "Hey, what do you want to count this as?" I don't go like, "Oh, I think it's this," and there's no like nothing that's going to change my mind that this is how this piece of terrain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're like, well, what do you think? Should this be like height two? Okay, we measure it. Yeah, it's about height two. Okay, well, can we climb it? Is it climbable? We're like, no, this is, you know, a little higher, so let's not call this climbable. Yep. And, you know, it, it's better because I think people get to, people that are Nazis about the terrain where they're starting to be like, no, you can't do this. I think, because if we defined it at the beginning of the game, which I don't like doing because it slows down the process of actually playing the fucking game. Yes. But if we get to it and all of a sudden you're like, no, this is impassable. Or this is blocking. You can't. You can't go over that. It's like, well, if I knew that, I wouldn't have put the model there because I want to clearly go that way. So that's why I'm very flexible when it comes to defining terrain as we play. I'm more fluid and just kind of like, yeah, you can, yeah, we can climb up that. That's fine. Is that what you want to do? Yeah. Okay. Cool. I personally like um, if if we didn't do it at the beginning of the game, I like it that it's consistent. You know. Yeah. I'd be like, all right, I would like to do this. How would you want to call this? Yeah, well, and that's a good point, Dixon, because if we call this blocking terrain, then if we have an exact, you know, piece of terrain on the other side, it also has to be blocking. You can't go, well, no, in this one situation, yeah. I want it to not be blocking so I can climb. It's like, yep. well, no, we didn't agree on that. In, yeah, in yeah. my favor. <laughs> uh, right. And like, my, it's, it's something that my, my dad used, uh, my dad likes to say, he says, um, what's the same? It's not an advantage. So as long as we're both playing it the same way, I don't care. I'm just yeah. going yeah. to yeah. deal with it. The last tournament that we went to, it was all very clearly uh, defined what each uh, piece of terrain was, except for one table. One table is a little bit weird 
because he had these trees that were sitting up. And so, I mean, I called the, you know, I called the, the judge over and I was like, Hey, you know, we just need a ruling on what this train is. Cause we were both, we both really didn't care, but we kind of just wanted to know what it was so we could play around it. Right. And um, yeah, the judge was just like, well, how about this? And then me and my opponent were both like, well, it would make more sense if it were, you know, blocking. And then the judge was like, well, I guess if that's what y'all want to do. I yeah. was like, yeah. So, I mean, we overruled the judge in that case. Well, and that's important. And I, I was going to say, Chris, that last tournament, it actually did it kind of the same way that the Worlds did it for the Vassal League, where they actually, it wasn't printed, but on the side of the table, it had a handwritten, this counts as this, this counts as yeah, that. Exactly. And it, it made it a lot easier to be like, oh, okay, this takes it off yeah. the players. Perfect. Yep. That way, there's no discussion. Like, oh, uh, that's impassable. It's like, well, according to this paper, it's actually just blocking. And it's yeah. just blocking. Yeah, it made it super easy. So if you're running an event, I would definitely encourage that because it made it super easy as a player. And there was really little argument over um, over what was going on as far as the terrain goes. So that was good to see. Right. Also, uh, I, I think we can say a few things that when we we started... I personally have problems because I thought that you could charge as an uh, incorporeal model from the bottom of a hill to the, I mean, from the bottom of a climbing area like barrels and shit to the top of, of barrels. You can't do that. Even if you're incorporeal? Even if you're incorporeal because like you can only change uh, direction only if you're falling because falling is like a secondary thing. Like or obviously, if you have flight too. Or if you have flight, yeah. But flight is different because flight yeah. is. Or if you have all terrain. Which all is terrain. Is right. So, a specific ability that tells you, yeah, like all the alpinists, because the alpinists does the same thing. Yep. Yeah. Give it to the explorers to have all the awesome movement things. <laughs> well, so the more I play explorers, the more I'm finding out that they are awesome when it comes to moving and some other, you know, fancy little things that they do. They still die. To a stiff breeze. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and one that I actually, because I think people coming to Malifaux from games like 40K and stuff like that, where it's not very, the train really you're not interacting with a bunch. The train's something more that it's an obstacle to get around to go get the player. Whereas in Malifaux, especially like destructible terrain, the fact that you can destroy terrain, that's a big one. Yes. I remember playing War Machine, and Chris, you can probably talk to this too, on how cool was it that you could actually interact with your own models and like throw your own model at people. That kind of stuff is really interesting and cool, and that's what I love about terrain in Malifaux, how interactive it is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can get to, you know, assassination attempts whenever it comes to throwing a model, you know, during certain, <laughs> during certain erratas. <laughs> Well, let, let's see. Let's see something also that's a big difference from the other games. Like, if you come from 40k, you could probably just have L's and like stupid walls and like coke cans and stuff as terrain. Yeah, and it really won't interfere with whatever you're gonna do because in 40k, like terrain is just kind of there. In yeah. War Machine, you did not want to have a lot of terrain, and terrain had to be like specific to the like the surrounding areas. Yeah, like, and it was mostly cool. 2D terrain as well. Correct. So it was like all flat. In in Malifaux, I have played in actual bog swamp uh, maps. Like the the entire map is like a tree sprouting from the middle, and there's yeah. a whole bunch of like that water Malifaux everywhere. Is, yeah. Exactly, and it's really awesome. Docks, and cool. rickety docks. Yeah. Yep, 
Yeah, we played in, in a casino. I remember like four years ago, I was playing in Nova and like there was an actual casino and people literally like shove like chairs out of the way and stuff and you were moving through that. It was really well, awesome. Well, the, the cool thing about that terrain too is that one, you, you guys are right, it definitely has this very flavorful kind of like, oh man, we're, you know, in the Wild West Saloon and we're, you know, going down Main Street and there's like a duel and I'm riding in between the buildings and that stuff's cool. But I think what's even cooler is just the fact how it can impact what you bring in the game. I know there's been times where Chris and I have played and there's been like a river going across the board. And some crews, you can't bring that crew because they're just too slow or they're going to get bogged down or shot up. And it's just like okay, when I, me as a Bayou player, whenever I see some kind of dense just terrain like that, um, I just think, okay, I need to bring flying models. I need to bring like zip or I need to, you know, bring models that don't care about this kind of stuff. And and that's how you kind of get around it. That's the difference between you and me. The first thing I thought was Sorida. <laughs> Sorida doesn't count. <laughs> no, if it came down to the water, for me, it was either Seeker or uh, Syndicate with Anya. Well, the fact that, see, explorers actually have a little bit of a like, asterisk on that chris because you can bring the alpinist and or alpinist or whatever exactly and then just be like oh none of my crews care yeah none of my crews care but that's cool take yeah. that such a cool model it is it's it is. a useful it's, model absolutely because you can still be like because there's certain times where the terrain just makes it where it's like i can't play this crew it doesn't fit on this board yep but with the alpinist alpinist whatever you want to call it <laughs> potato potato you know, it's like, oh, I can still play the crew I want and they can still get where they want to go. Right. It's solid. Yeah. Try it out if you're an explorer player, you'll like it. I don't think there's anything quite like that in, in any other faction. I mean, I don't think so. like, for example, in Neverborn, we have a smorgasbord of things to choose from. I mean, in you got Red fly with me and stuff that can help out. Right. Well, not only do you have fly with me, you have like two crews that are like, I don't care about terrain. And then you yeah. have, no, you have three. You have three. You have uh, woes, they're incorporeal. Uh, Titania, they you you got like Mausaurus Rex, the emissary. You have a whole bunch of things that just ignore terrain, and then you have um, which call it Nekima, and she mm -hmm. flies. And yeah. literally, everyone is like just spoiled for choices. When you go to Guild, though, horses. That's literally the only thing I can think of. <laughs> I can't yeah. think of anything else. Oh, oh yeah, my and, God, Chris. And when. <laughs> <laughs> that looks the same. That's, it's that's exactly, exactly the same. same. That's the exact same. Did you just, yeah, you just print that stupid. off? <laughs> so, guys, uh, to, because uh, to everybody listening in, Chris decided to print out something that said it's, it's, al it's alpinist instead of al and not alpinist, but it all looked the same. Potato, <laughs> <laughs> potato. Uh, and if you go, and the cool thing is, if you go to the rule book, mm. I mean, it's only like three pages of telling you how you should kind of yep. play the terrain. Right. It even gives you kind of the breakdown of different how terrain could work on a board. And just like we were saying, just because the rule book says like, hey, this is a good example of how a bridge works or a building works. You can define that with your, you know, as a player and be like, hey, let's call this different because otherwise it doesn't quite work on this board. Yep. So you can change how it works. Just it's conversation. But they give examples of how barbed wire works, how it's counted as hazardous. Um, you got buildings in here, flat and steep. Uh, they have walkways, they have fences and walls, fog banks, hills, staircases, water. So it, it's a good 
I would recommend, even if you don't have the rule book, you can actually just download it offline. Uh, the app also has it, the M3E app that has the four rules. Yep, for free. And it has all the updated stuff too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So definitely a good good read to go through there, just figuring out how different terrain. And honestly, folks, I mean, I, I've been playing now for over a year, year and a half, whatever it's been, two years of Malifaux, and I'm still learning different effects that terrain have. And it's not only just the terrain, but when people drop markers that have terrain effects, there's a difference between like creating a marker that has terrain effects and dropping. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if you drop a marker that gives out damage, you'll take the damage when it drops. Whereas if you create, it can't be on top of somebody. So it's just little things like that, that you learn the more that you play. Yep. And yep. Uh, a quick tip that I like to give to new players, try not to, to put severe on everything. Uh, I remember back when I started, I tried to put severe on like traps, like barbed wire and like spikes and stuff. Don't do that. Just, just hassle. It's fine. You don't have to also add in severe to that. Yeah, like, slow your game down. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, the only time that uh, you should put severe on traps is when it says specifically severe pit drop markers. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's <laughs> like a specific model thing. So yeah, yeah. If you want to make a little spiky trap that's just you know for fluff on your board because you're in a jungle and you've got all these little spike traps, not pit traps, just set them as hazardous. And so. That's kind of talking about the types and traits and stuff. Uh, kind of the effects of it are, is what we've started to talk about. So how does this affect kind of your board in the game? So obviously we said, I think the most common one is severe terrain. Severe terrain is going to slow you down by half. So, I mean, if you go into it, instead of moving one inch, it's going to cost you two inches. So it doubles basically how much it costs to move. So if you want to move two inches, it's going to cost you four inches of your movement. Right. So dense terrain is definitely something you want to keep in mind because that's going to impact where you can go. And that counts for pushes, charges, everything. Yep. The only if thing you, it doesn't impact is places. Even if you're flying, if, you're, if your model has flight, you're still going to be pushed at half distance because flight only, only yeah. works for walks and charges. Yep. That so even correct. disengages are going to slow you down. So be aware of that. Yeah, I think that actually came up in a game Chris and I played. He tried to disengage with Orville or somebody like that. And I had to tell him, like, no, it's, it's like that, that only applies if you're uh, if you're charging or walking. It's uh, let's see what else. Uh, concealing. Concealing makes it so that Conceal you concealing is a big one, too, because you have to use well, concealing and dense are big ones. So oh, OK. You so have to know the difference between the two because concealing and dense very commonly come into the same a uh, piece of terrain, but you know, if it's if it's a fog bank, then it's just going to be concealing. Whereas if it's like a wood, a set of woods, it's going to be dense, and you can't see all the way through dense, but you can see all the way through just concealing. That's true. That's true. And uh, what I was gonna I was gonna try to piggyback a little bit on what Pete was saying. Uh, it cuts everything in half because your actions, I, I, your action economy just drops. Yeah. significantly because if you need to move through something and you can't just like one action go through it that's that's gonna cost you the game probably eventually well, and, you're gonna and, lose something that. and that's why i like malifaux a lot because the board impacts what you bring so i mean if i'm playing outcast and i see all this dense concealing terrain 
I'm like, well, let me bring like Jack Daw or somebody. So I just ignore terrain and can just move through it anyways. Wait, you play outcasts? I don't. I'm just give, trying to give an example besides Bayou. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, let's go with uh, Guild. I, earlier I said uh, the only thing that I can think of is horses, right? Well, one of the most yeah, because they're unimpeded or whatever. Correct. So one of the most common pieces you're going to see in in Guild is either the Mounted Guard or the Pale Rider. The Pale Rider pretty much is in every list. And the reason for that is they're both unimpeded and they both have Right With Me. And Right With Me is going to cut down on your action economy by a lot. Yeah, it helps get your slower models through that dense terrain. So, for example, it takes me, let's say, for example, it takes me eight actions to score one VP. If severe terrain is on the table, it will probably cost me now six to seven actions to score one VP. At the end of the game, there's only so many actions you can actually do. It's going to cost you the game. So you need to bring in these pieces to help you with the, the terrain. If you're trying to spend actions just getting out of slow terrain, that's not what you want to be doing. I mean, it, it, that's why sometimes throwing your opponent into terrain, like if you're playing Zip or somebody, and just dumping them into the middle of a forest... Be like, yep, have fun. Have fun, nerd. You don't even have to kill them. You just, like, grab, toss them in the middle of the forest, and peace out. I mean, I've I've literally just used Zip to throw a model just eight inches across the board and then just leave them. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) I think I did that with Hoffman. I picked Hoffman up and threw him behind a building. Deuces. Because, you know, Hoffman's slow as dirt. I think, Chris, was that against you or was that against Russ? Uh, I think that was against Russ. Yeah, I just dumped Hoffman behind a building. Oh, that's so dirty. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's so dirty. Next thing that we can talk about is hazardous terrain. You see a lot of that, too. Uh, that's going to be any terrain type that's going to give you either damage or it's going to give you an effect. So a lot of times this will be like, uh, if it doesn't say anything, if it just says hazardous, it, that's just one point of damage. But a lot of times it'll say hazardous fire one or hazardous poison one or something to that effect. So that means you would take the damage plus that effect. And you're going to see it commonly if you start playing against uh, certain masters. Like if you play, if you one of your guys plays Karis, you're going to see Hassidus fire. Karis, Maw. Yeah, Maw, you're going to see Hassidus uh, injured, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pain in the butt. Now, yeah, so that, if, it, if it just says burning one, you just take burning one. You don't take That's damage. right. If it specifies what it is, that's yeah. all you get. I just so want to clarify that. Yeah, oh, yeah, so yeah. you don't take the damage and the burning? You nope. do not. You just take burning one or poison one or injured one. If it just says hazardous, then it's the damage. These burning one, it's just that uh, effect. Yep. That uh, condition. Sorry. An example. An example. Riva. What does Riva say, Chris? In the on the fire markers, her fire markers. Are Riva, Riva says damage one and burning one. Wait, I thought it was shielded. Oh, you're talking about herself. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I thought. Oh, uh, you guys are right because it says damage one and injured one for Maw. Yeah, yeah. Maw specifically does. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, no, yeah. It says burning one and it just says shielded one. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like Reva shielded, but if you look at Cars, Cars says uh, fire and injured. injured. It's like says, it, yeah, exactly. And if you're both in the on the table, it's a nightmare because like <laughs> every pyre marker is the same. They're they're not friendly, but they're different. <laughs> so they all suffer from that. Yeah, it's a pain. <laughs> it sounds ridiculous. It is. Uh, let's hear. I think that's most of the effects that are pretty common with it. Uh, I will go back to concealing, though, because I think this is also important to get. It's not going to kill you like, you know, the hazardous terrain. But if you shoot, if you're shooting or you have an attack action that's at range, 
that you're trying to hit a model, but they're either in concealing or you're going through concealing terrain, you're going to be put at a negative on the flip. So I think that's important for new players to get to, because if you set up a bad shot and you don't have any focus, you're just at a negative and you got to take the lowest. And that's yep. any part of the base too, any part of the base as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's so you could, you could just have a, a just the tip of that concealing terrain blocking and the other model gets concealed. Which is super annoying just because when there's a lot of concealing or especially that's why Umbra and Dua are so dumb because there's like concealing everywhere. My God, I hate those guys. And then, and then they're like, oh, cool. I'm going to put my concealing model and then I'm going to shoot you that now that you have concealing, I'm actually at a positive because Umbra is stupid. (laughs) Because Umbra is awesome. Yeah. Umbra is a pain in the Well, ass. so it's, it's silly, but at the same time, it's also functional. I mean, you could use it to your advantage you can. in the game. I don't know. Any other just common either effects that you guys kind of run into more on the tabletop? Uh, the charging we talked about. Because uh, one of the things that we I didn't know until like a month or two ago, something that says blocking terrain, the flat side that is climbable is also considered impassable. So you have to be careful. Any effect that says you can't go through impassable, it's only talking about that flat side that you're trying to climb up. And it's only for crossing it. Yeah, and I also think you need to keep that in mind as as well with your terrain for line of sight purposes. Uh, line of sight and height are really big. I, I think people run into that against me more because I play Bayou and we have a lot of height one models. Yep. So even just a height two you know, fence or a height two wall, I'm, bl- I'm blocked and they can't see me. So I'm just like, you know, here and I am. Re- yeah, but the reason they can't see you is because of? Because I'm height one. No, no, the, there's a name for it. It's called a shadow. That's I'm height one. Yeah, we should definitely. Because I'm height one. About, no, no, but we should definitely talk about it too. <laughs> but I'm height one. The effect. Height one. <laughs> oh my Jesus. The shadow effect is actually very important because uh, it's actually one of the things that I, I wish it was a little bit more clear on the on the, on the the book your height of the terrain it stands out up to three inches max it's going to be equal to the height of the terrain so if the terrain is only height one it's a one inch uh shadow now a height one model that's inside that shadow they are now invisible you can't see them they can be literally any part of their base is in that shadow oh as long as you don't see any part of their base yeah if any part of their base is in the shadow and any part of your base can't see them on a clear line of sight you can't see them and they can't see you. Yeah, and if you're playing against gremlins, that can be very frustrating because everything's tiny. Everything, every single thing in that, oh my God. I've, I've played against uh, uh, Bayou players that just fill height one models. That's it. And you just can't I mean, see them. I mean, yeah, that's that's <laughs> probably about 70% of the range for Bayou. It's literally the main reason why I think Francois is such a badass beater. Yeah, because you can just ditch a card, pop out, Shoot you, shoot you, and yeah, yeah. He's a pain. Well, it's not that they can't see you; it's just that they get cover. No, you can't see them. I mean, if it's the same height and you're in the shadow, they can't see you. Yeah. No, if you're in the, the if you're in the shadow, models within the terrain shadow, even partially, have cover against ranged actions that can target one or more sight lines through that terrain. So that is, yeah, but if it's the same height, you that's what I'm saying. You have to see the base, but if yes. I'm totally behind it. Yes. Then you can't even see it. Yeah, exactly. No, no, exactly. But what I was saying though is it, any part. Of them. So oh, you yeah. can, if you can see a part of their base, right? Then it's just cover. Correct. Now co- like- cover is a little different though that you got to keep in mind because cover only affects gun range attacks. Exactly. 
Whereas concealment will be any attack action that's not melee. Absolutely. So you do got to keep that in mind when you're co cover can be helpful because if it is a gun, you they you will put them on a negative for the damage. Yes. And it gives you plus one defense. But if it's like a willpower, they don't care. Now, <laughs> another clarification because they they did update it, but they didn't actually clarify, it, I guess, too much. Tactical actions do not suffer from concealment. There's a lot of people that... Yeah, we were playing part. that wrong for a while there, Chris. <laughs> Jackass. Because no, no, no. The, the, the blame is on. There was a card. It was a shortcut card that literally said any action. And then that's what we clarified. were using. Yeah, that's what we were they, using. Yeah. So they Chris was like, "Well, if you look on our little card here, it says any action." Yep. And then we kind of look in the rule book. We're like, "Oh, <laughs> it's any attack action that's not a melee attack." Yeah, we fell prey to that one for a long time. It was literally probably about a month ago. Chris and I asked because I was I was getting pissed. Because yep. I wanted to heal a model, and I had to move. And Chris was like, hey, you're out of negative. Ah! <laughs> Stupid Ivan. I mean, I mean that's the way it used to be. No. Is it? It never was. It's just people kept falling in. I fell into it. I, I mean, even to this day, I still get call, um, people that are, like, proficient at the game that were like, wait. I thought it was every action. I was like, no, man, I'm sorry. Let me show you the page, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's like, it's that's why I said it's like, it's not very clear. And I can definitely see. Yeah, it's in, it's in the rule book now, but there was a time on the rule reference cards that it, it was there. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah I'm pretty sure it's going to still happen. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. if you play a crew that has a lot of hazardous markers or terrain markers, you do want to kind of read up on how you, like, how moving those markers can affect and your uh, your opponents and uh, just how they work. It's worth reading into, and it's like thirty six on the rule book or, or in the rule book. So there's there's like a couple of quick things you can say. Like when it says create, you can put it underneath the model that created it, but not underneath anything else. And when it says drop, you can just drop it wherever the hell you want. <laughs> well, guys, I think that about covers it for the traits. <laughs> And effects. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Terrible pun. I, I actually, I just saw that in the rule book and I was like, oh, I'm going to totally steal that. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my uh, God. Why don't, you go, why don't you go back over the creating and dropping? Because there are a couple other rules to it. No, but I, that's the quickest way for you. That's to the quickest remember. way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a crap load more that you should be reading because it, it actually will matter for specific models. But in general, the, the most common thing that you need to know is create things. You can create it and put it underneath the model that, that made it. Only the model that made it. Uh -huh. But not anything else. Right. Drop, you can drop wherever the hell you want. That's like the, 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 the key big thing. After that, there's more stuff. Yeah, like impassable terrain. You can't, when you're creating it, you can't create any part of the, the marker on impassable terrain yep. or any other type of um, blocking terrain, right? Yep. Is it blocking? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, then, it, doesn't, it doesn't count as placing. That's another thing, because a lot of people think that when you're dropping a marker, it counts as placing. It yeah, does no, not. It's just dropping. Another yeah. thing. It's dropping. Yeah. That's why the terminology drop is there. Yeah. Correct. So there's a lot of little things that are going to matter. Like, for example, you can drop a firestorm, basically, a fire marker right underneath somebody. It won't affect those people until you push the firestorm. Once yeah. you push or, it. Or them. Or them. Or them? What do you mean? Or the, or the person. So you can drop oh. it on top of the person and, and nothing it doesn't will affect happen. anybody 
until you move the marker or them. Yep, exactly. That's exactly right. Unless unless you have a model that says when this marker is dropped, they suffer one damage. Let's uh, let's wake up the there because this this sounds like some technical bullshit that Chris is interested in. Correct. Chris does like play, and I was talking to one of our I like, patrons. I like those little things, absolutely. Yeah, I, I was talking to one of our patrons about, what was it? It was one of the masters, and and our patron, Zach, was all like, oh, yeah, I love this. And I was like, yeah, it's more Chris's speed. I'm more meat and potatoes and go punch stuff. Yeah. Chris is definitely more technical and like, oh, well, I'm going to drop this, and I'm going to move it and slide it under your whole crew so you can't do anything. That's me. God, I, I love doing that too. I, I guess I got a lot of things that I share in common with Chris. Yeah, I'm just I'm a brothers. We're brothers. I'm just aggro. Yeah, just aggro uh, So let's go ahead and talk into the more Pete range of uh, stuff that I care about, and that's why you know my eyes started glossing over, and Chris was getting all technical there. He's like, <laughs> he was dropping, no, no, he was dropping some good info for the. I was uh, dropping some good like info. That, absolutely, yeah, definitely. Just tell me when I can smash things. That's all I care about. How to do things with more finesse is the yeah. way that I. Hey, and I, I got this brewmaster shit together, and I'm gonna smash some barrels. That's all I know. Yeah, I can't it's, wait to play brewmaster. Give me a, mess you up so bad. Give so me an excuse. So we were talking about it, hmm. and. And man, I tell you what, people are going to get real excited when we do our spoiler. We talked about some some evil things you can do with these some of these new titles. But anyways, mm. the last thing I want to talk about with terrain is okay. How much? So how much is is needed for a game of Malifaux? And this is kind of important. And I think also we need to talk about what mixture of t- types of terrain do you need? Because there was a table that Chris and I played on in one of these tournaments where it was all just literally cover and it was pretty open. It was an open board. Right. And I think you, you can remember, Chris, the, the table I'm talking about where if you were playing a gun line, eh, man, you just go to town on any any crew that you played against in that almost. Yeah, the, uh, the terrain was not put out by people who should have put it out, maybe, mm-hmm. I guess you could say. <laughs> they didn't know what they were doing. But, uh, I mean, a good rule of thumb is you know 30% of the table is covered. Right. I, I think that, that'll give you a good start. I yeah. think I have a different set of rules for beginning players. Okay. But that's that's mainly because I want people to get used to the like movement of the game and stuff. So I don't want them to be too much uh, impediment. Uh, the two rules are in the beginning, do try to make it symmetrical and do try to put in two pieces that are at least high three in the in, like towards the center of the board. They don't have to like together or anything, but don't make a parking lot. Those are he, the said, only... he says not too technical, and he starts getting super technical. No, those are the only two things. Those are the only two things. I, I honestly got no parking lots, and definitely put two things that are high three. And the yeah. reason for that is you you get to play the game. You get to enjoy yourself. And then eventually when you are comfortable with movement and stuff, then you actually start building cities. Well, I think what uh, you said is important for newer players right. to make it symmetrical. Correct. And what Dixon's talking about there is when you make the board, don't give one side an over advantage over the other one. So don't put a huge forest in front of somebody's deployment zone to start off the game. And when you get when you get better at the game, that's not going to be as big of a problem because you know how to work around it. But if I'm a new player and I'm parked in front of a forest, they're like, okay, I guess I'm going to walk three times just to get out of this some bitch. But, and, and that 
that's not a good feeling. That's not something that you're, you're not showing them how to use their crew. They're wasting activations. It's kind of a, it just slows the game down. It's not fun. And you, you have the advantage if your deployment isn't bogged down. Right. Yeah. So symmetrical would be, you know, if you're going to have concealment and the left-hand side of the table on one player, then on the other side of the table, you know, do the exact same thing. Yep. And then just, keep piecing out the terrain to where they're exactly the same. It's a mirror match on either side. That way both sides are exactly equal and you can, you know, you can actually play the game, learn the game, consult with each other about different, better positioning. And and how would you guys describe not making a parking lot? Absolutely. How would you guys describe it? Oh, not making a parking lot. Gotcha. So don't, uh, don't obstruct move lines. Um, to get through different things. Um, don't make one pl- one place where they get bogged down. I don't know. When you said that, I interpreted that as not having like a bunch of buildings where you have to kind of zigzag through them. Um, and, and when you say that, I think the, the going against that would be you want to have it a little open in certain areas. That way it encourages engagement. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you have a lot of blocking terrain and buildings, that can make it where you got to snake through all these different maze and paths and stuff like that yeah yeah the, well, you guys both said something very similar it's basically that that and don't and don't make it so that guns are just like the most op thing in the game yeah so you don't have stuff in the way but not too much in the way yeah yeah, yeah you but, definitely well people ask me all that all the time and chris i don't know if you've had new players ask you but i've had people ask me well guns must be really good then you know and and it's like yes they're good but the terrain is what helps keep that in check because the board's not open. It's not like 40K where I can just put up a gun line and I just have two and a half turns of blasting you. It, it, you might not get any shots if your opponent's really good. Yep. Yeah, or absolutely. Fast. If your opponent's really good or fast, you yeah. probably won't even get one shot off. Yeah, if you have yeah. a Nephilim charging you, that, <laughs> you might have one, you might have a half a turn. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and to speak a little bit more clearly about what I was talking about when I was talking about what uh, parking lot finesse and everything like that, what I was what I was saying is like if you're playing turf war and you know, you've got that center marker, don't put a blocking tree close enough to that center marker to where you can't get a 50 millimeter base through, yep. because then it's it's super disappointing when you're playing a crew that's got a lot of 50 millimeter bases and you you know you set yourself up poorly and now you just can't do anything. Because yep. you're bogged down and you're stuck in a parking lot. That makes that you a sad panda. Yeah, yes, absolutely. So make sure that you're always thinking about uh, size of models and so, whether Dick, or not they- you you play Euripides. Is that something where you look at a board and you're just like, I can't play Euripides here because I have too many 50 mil bases. I I played enough Euripides that that, that stopped becoming a problem. It's more about my my opponent. Uh, but I'm going to tell you right now, like when I started, it was always in my mind. I'm like, oh, I can't move over here because of these things and yada, yada, yada. Uh, to all the new players, if you're playing the Savage Keyword, uh, start looking into things that say, like, target this uh, ice pillar and then place this model here. Or, like, start looking at things that ignore line aside, or start looking at things that, you know, like the totem making somebody into incorporeal. Trust me, your crew is sufficient mobile but what they're talking about is not so much about the walking part as it is about fitting through certain spots and yeah and something else that i think you need to invest in if you're going to start playing a lot of malifaux is i i call it scatter terrain i don't know if that's what you guys would refer to it as 
but it's basically smaller pieces of terrain to just provide a little more cover, provide a little more concealment. This could be things like boxes, crates, small walls. Yep. Uh, we have a cactus. I mean, just there's we have these little we have these little impassable trees that that Chris had printed off or that he bought somebody that printed off for him. So scattered terrain is big because you don't want all these huge pieces of terrain everywhere, but you do want some to kind of break it up so you can either get behind it for the benefit or you can you know just use it to maneuver safely to a better spot. So definitely want to invest in some of that on your board as well. I love the, the there was a setup that you guys had that looked like a a moonshine outhouse uh like yeah. in the middle of the woods. I I love that. Yeah, it's like a shanty. So awesome. Yeah, it's a yeah. shanty that one of our buddies Scott got and it, it's just it's straight up bayou looking. I I, I got to finish painting it just so I can like put like a tin roof on it or something just to make it look like a real shanty. Uh, when I played you in that, it was hilarious because it was Titania playing against like a whole bunch of dirty bayou. Yep. <laughs> it was for the real, uh, the real natives of Malifaux, man. Oh, oh, really? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Anywho, so, uh, I still think like I, I mentioned earlier, my favorite board was that was just a giant swamp uh, bog. A whole bunch of severe terrain everywhere, but it just looks so so awesome. We yeah, yeah I we think my favorite uh, my favorite board I've seen so far was somebody made a, a rail station, Ooh. so it was almost like a mining yard with a rail head kind of like going into it. Nice. That was a really cool looking board. That's awesome. That's awesome. And that's like in my opinion, that's like one of the better attributes of Malifaux is like you can play on a very nice looking board that actually gives it a feel. And you can and, play around it too exactly. because of the rules. And it, and it won't destroy your game experience. Well, because how many times have you have you played a game of 40K and you want to build this really cool, like maybe a tower or something in it with some really cool, maybe some ne Necron kind of, you know, runes and stuff around the board with these huge pillars and monoliths and, and obelisks. And you're just, well, I can't play this because we don't have, you know, in very developed rules for this type of terrain. Right. I think the only thing in 40K, I can't even remember, but it was basically like it slows you down and it provides cover. So they they added fortifications, but uh, you have to pay for them. So honestly, it's like, oh, yeah, I got to buy my that. own terrain to bring in. it. They still still around. It's literally yeah, it's still stupid. part of the game. You buy your own terrain to put it on the table. Like it's... I remember that's kind of right when I started getting out. They the, the one it was some big command like helipad looking one or something. Right, right, right. And so you could bring like your huge storm raven down. And I'm just like, whatever, this is dumb. Pay 220 points, and then you can put in vehicles and yeah, it's it, that's still in the game. In Malifaux, yeah. you don't get to bring your own terrain, but it just it just looks cool. In my opinion, it looks much better. Well, and that's the, and that's the cool thing when you're kind of putting a board together. Uh, and you can make some boards denser. So if you want to make it like 45% terrain and make it more like what you were saying with like this bayou where it's thick, maybe you have some bridges that you can go across that. And like I said, the rules make it very clear where you and your opponent can sit down and you can say, okay, how do we want to treat this water? How do we want to treat, you know, the bridges? Can we just go walk across them? Do we have to jump across, you know? And so it gets yep. interesting. Yep. 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 Also like, you can just make it that easy. Like you can say, okay, this bog is just going to be like 
one inch less of movement and then you can just keep walking. Well, and I don't know about you, and this is more me, once again, kind of being a meat and potatoes kind of guy, but I've been at a tournament where people have been like, well, how do you want to play this? I'm like, okay, let's just simplify this and just say we can climb up it. Correct. It's like, I don't want to deal with the headache. I don't want to make it stupid, complicated. Let's just say you got to pay two inches to get up over it. Exactly. That's exactly right. And that's fine. And most opponents are like, cool, yeah, let's do that. Yep. Yeah, so don't get too defined with making uh, the, the terrains overly complex. Obviously, you can do that. Uh, there was a tournament I went to in Greenville before the pandemic where the, the guy actually was like, oh, this is hazardous and it's poison and it, it does this. And he had like three different things for that one piece of terrain. I, I was like, OK, cool. I was a new player. So I was like, I'm just not going to I'm like, I'm just not going to go through it. I'm not even worried about it. I'm yeah. just going to ignore that piece of terrain. I don't understand why you decided to make this too complex when I'm not going to even touch it. I'm just yeah. going to go this other way. I'm like, I'm like, I'm going to totally avoid that side of the board now because I don't want to deal with all these complex rules. Correct. That's how I deal with problems. Avoid. Thank you. <laughs> Whereas I would bring, uh, what is it, uh, a Crypsis core from uh, Explorers? Oh, yeah, Jesus. the Crypsis core. Yeah, oh, make, make everything within three inches of them that terrain feature. So... Yep. It just makes it bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, that's the worst when there's like a big forest and then Chris brings the Crypsis core and now the forest is even bigger and then he throws a trap down and now he's like, oh, and now it's also, you know, you get injured if you come near me. I'm like, this is terrible. Yep. This is terrible. <laughs> it's, a great terrible. it's a great defensive piece. Like it's it really is. Yeah, it was great. Fantastic. Slow as dirt, yeah. though. Slow as dirt. Yep. All right, so... I think we got a good kind of talk about just some of this terrain stuff. Hopefully it helps a lot of new players out. Hopefully it, it just helps the people out just in general, because yep. terrain is one of those things where you can keep adding in and learning more about it to enhance the game. Uh, and, and I just think that's a really cool feature for Malifaux. And it doesn't, the train isn't, actually, when I, now that I think about it, I don't know if infinity train is that complex. There's just a lot of it. And I think that's where infinity just kind of, the terrain's important. Plus you need cover and all that stuff. So uh, um, I've played infinity quite a bit to know that if you don't have like 70 or 80% of your board, in yeah, terrain, it's too little. You lose like, like whoever has the best guns wins automatically. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Okay. So let's talk about some of these revealed models so far. So we've had some podcasts. I think there's been about, three or four of them that have revealed model or not models, but the cards for some of these new titles. Right. So all I want to do, we're not going to go through them and read the cards cause that's dumb, but I want to hear what you guys are excited for. So, so far out of all these new titles, what's something that really has you kind of excited and hot and bothered. I said Sarita, but Kurgan, definitely the Kurgan. Kurgan, Absolutely. Okay. So oh it's funny because, Neverborn player and Explorer player are both super excited about the Kerrigan. Yep. Well, oh, and yeah. the cool thing, and so the Swamp Hag, she's different because obviously there's no obeying. So that's not a thing. Dixon, what I've been and, hearing the uh, most that people are excited about yes. is her bonus, the Witch's Brew. I think that's what I hear a lot of people saying. This makes it so I can bring this model that wasn't that good. I mean, it's great. I'm not going to lie. That's that's an amazing ability, yes. But, like, Moth Witch is, like, literally my favorite thing about her in the entire card. It's like I look at Moth Witch and I'm just like, who the hell thought this was a good idea? This is just stupid. <laughs> yeah, so she charges, which she doesn't even get in action. But two other models can then charge, right? 
no, no, discard it's, cards? It's not charge, but you can like. Oh, okay, I got you. I can activate her, walk her five inches, and then discard two cards. Pitch and two walk. for them to charge. Exactly, discard two cards. No, no, walk two more guys because it's the same action that you take. Oh, uh, so okay. I, I see you, what's going on there now. If you interact, they interact. If you uh, concentrate, they concentrate. So, like, the thing is that, one, it has no range. And two, you can just, like, have somebody run all the way, like, use all their actions just to move as far as they possibly can, say it next to, like, a symbol of authority, and then you just go, I activate the Moth Witch. I'm going to interact, discard one card. That guy takes the uh, the symbol of authority. Like, it's just so stupid simple because it's, yeah. it's one card for, like, one action anywhere on the board from any Swamp Fiend. That's absurd. I don't know. I think it's amazing. Don't get me wrong. Witch's Brew makes it so that, like, every model that you have becomes godlike, basically. Uh, People can, like, my god, the first mate's invincible! First mate is now Beacon <laughs> 6, uh, Willpower 6, Movement 7, Height 3. Like, he's just like, oh now, my god. And Dixon, I needed clarification <laughs> on this. It improves the stats by one. Right. And that includes the stat on your attack actions and tactical actions, correct? It should, yeah. I yeah. mean, unless, unless I'm misreading this, the first things that's in front of your card are also stats. And yeah, the they are. The stat on the actions are also considered stats. Yeah, so, yeah. So, it is. I just had to clarify that because I act, that's one of the things I asked because people were like, oh, this attack plus one. And I looked at the rule book and yep. yeah, it says stat. But when you look up stats at the beginning, yep. it literally says on the front of the card. Yep. So I don't know. I mean, no, sure. I mean, I mean, it's insane because, like, we're talking about like how many other mo like technically you make now uh, a case for having McTavish because McTavish now is stat six on the gun, which is super good. Yeah, he's defense six, willpower six, movement. So, so the what's yeah. what's super exciting about the Kurgan that you're like, yeah, this is this is my bay. Oh my god, it just like Avalanche. First of all, is not enemy only. So you can push people five inches in a direction for a five. You just need a five of good. anything. And then, uh, whatchamacallit, shifting earth. So, like, a thing that I actually was thinking about is you can have the Malosaurus Rex. And I know this is going to be a dumb thing, but, like, Malosaurus Rex can push the Kurgan uh, four inches forward to be within three inches of Titania. And then Titania teleports three plus two inches for his base plus three more. Uh, that's what? nine inches of movement and then he can just like avalanche her twice because it's at the beginning of his I, activation i was surprised that a lot of this move shenanigans doesn't yeah. have a size kind of caveat nope. to it there's no that's, yeah that's the annoying part it's like oh it can do it to anything yep correct me if i'm wrong but mudslide yeah until the end phase the area within range of this model is treated as severe and concealing terrain yes. so once he gets that off for six his melee attack range is now three inches. Yes. God, Seems yes. Seems good. Dude, that's so nasty. Yeah. Oh. So, Well, not only that, but it it's Tangling Roots. Isn't that the same ability that the Emissary has? Yeah. Where, where as long as you're in the terrain, you can attack anybody else in the terrain? That's yeah, right. so if you hit a big patch of woods, you can you know extend your reach phenomenally. Or you can extend it by nine inches because the Kurgan space, exactly what I said about uh, Titania, now the Kurgan can extend the uh, melee range of the Emissary by the exact same amount because that can charge into the aura of the Kurgan and hit somebody on the other side of the Kurgan. 
I love this model. This model is absolutely. So He's awesome. Yeah, this model is so dumb. I love it. Uh, oh. The only thing I will say is he def or it because it's just a piece of dirt and yes. trees, and apparently there's a voodoo doll on there. But it, it's it's not the hardest thing to kill. It's armor two, but it's only got eight boxes. So I mean, it's it's killable. It's not like it's a super tanky model. Yeah, he doesn't like to be up front, as far as I can tell. He likes yeah. to move things around and set up for. Other I agree. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely a setup piece and kind of get some damage in where you can. And it even heals your models a little bit with the uh, bolster strength trigger on Mudslide. Absolutely. Friendly models within range heal one. <laughs> Absolutely does. Yep, yep. I, He's going to be a great Seeker edition. Chris, awesome. what, what about you? What are you excited about so far with some of these titles? The Kurgan. I mean, come on. I thought I thought we agreed <laughs> on this. I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know. Yes, no, 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 the Chris, Chris, I feel you and I love the Kurgan because it's a amazing, beautiful, complex thing. It's Chris, amazing. Chris doesn't like it because it's not meat and potatoes. <laughs> yeah. he, he doesn't like it because it's not meat and potatoes. Sorry, Pete. Stupid. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, the Kurgan. It's the piece that I love the most that's coming out. I mean, it's it's phenomenal. It's a great piece. So Seeker has been one of my favorite crews of the Explorers. So I, I'm just super excited about it. My God, lame. I'm sorry. The more I look at it, the more I'm just like, I love this model. I'm salivating a little bit. Yeah, you know the saddest thing is, it, he doesn't have uh, planted roots, but at the same time, he can't have everything. I mean, he can't have everything. Absolutely, yeah, he, he couldn't have everything. He's eight points. I'm, I'm okay with this. Yeah. All right. Well, you guys know what I like so far. That's revealed. Uh, that's revealed. I thought it was going to be Sarita. I'm sad that you didn't like it. No, you want to know what my favorite is? What is? Nothing, because it's all been garbage so far. <laughs> it's, nothing has been by you. What's wrong with Zoraida? No by you. Zoraida doesn't count. Why doesn't she count? <laughs> Just she's an old on. witch that lives in the woods. Yeah, but all by you. They're too scared to go to her. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. She no, the cool. The so the coolest thing, and honestly, Zoraida, sure, there's some cool stuff there. Oh, um, yeah. I'm, I'm more. I like the green skins more. Mm -hmm. So Zoraida has always been something where it's like, yeah, she's cool and she does some powerful things, but I like this better. So I'm going to be more excited uh, when I start seeing more actual Bayou stuff come out. Mm -hmm. And when we reveal ours, hopefully, I don't know, we'll see listeners. Hopefully we get a Bayou model. You'll have to see, but we'll see. Anyways, but the coolest idea that I've seen so far is actually with the Noxious Nephilim. So the fact that Molly not only has a kind of a cool title, but now we also have the Noxious Nephilim, mm -hmm. which is just a really cool model. It's like this undead, dying, rotting Nephilim that its its stats aren't as good as a regular Nephilim. I mean, its attack is still really good, but it's just... It's still really good. It does different things. It's a really cool model. So mature Nephilim would bring it. Jesus. Yeah, it has uh, also I like the drawn to pain built-in trigger, where if you suffer damage with that model, it pushes four inches towards the attacking model. So it's just getting there faster. It's just you can try to shoot it, but it's gonna make it come closer to you. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how I can how can people exploit the uh, memories of blood. The whole this model ignores damage from black blood, but after this model suffers damage from an action or a trigger, another friendly 
Nephilim or Forgotten model can take the last memory, which is an action that says once per turn, you can discard a card and suffer one damage to draw a card. So you can kind of, you know, hurt yourself to hurt another Nephilim to do damage to an enemy and draw a card at the same time. I don't know yeah, if you... Seems yeah, it seems like, like Rube Goldberg shit there. Yeah, yeah. there's got to be a way to exploit it. I'm just, I just haven't figured it out. Um, it also, this is a model that can produce corpse markers. So That's I know true. there's there's certain things that, especially with the new, um, new what's-her-face, Nakima, mm. corpse markers can be important because it seems like with the new Nakima, isn't she more focused on kind of almost a, gr not the grow mechanic, but doesn't she focus more on that? Birthright, it may drop a scheme marker anywhere within three. So if you make somebody, it makes... Uh, so I guess the new Nikima would like to have a, mo a whole bunch of babies. Is that what you're trying to say? And then maybe this big guy to start dropping corpses for the babies. Yeah. Now you have, yeah. You have, now you have the potential to have like two to three matures for three points very easily. Yeah. And I know that the, a lot of the grow mechanics, I think need corpse markers. If I remember right for, for Nikima's crew. Isn't that what kind of a lot of the grow mechanics for like the, the tots and stuff are? Or no, it's killing stuff, I think. No, no, it's both. It's grow, it's uh, corpses. It's either, you, I believe. You either eat a corpse or you kill a model that costs more than you. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so, so I mean, a model that just produces a corpse is always good for that effect. That's right. I'm just trying to figure out, was like, what's her deal? I think her deal is supposed to be like, whenever she thinks she needs to do more scheming, then you bring this title. Mm -hmm. Is that what you think? Yeah, I mean, her sword, her her vital strike, whatever that whatever that is, right, um, isn't as big, and it says she can drop corpse markers instead of shock shock waves. What else does she do? Um, she can make Nephilim take the interact action, which is pretty big. Yeah, dark bargain. Yep. So yeah. that's another big one. So you can do things like breakthrough. You can go kill a model, but then use Nakima to make them interact. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure her out. To be honest, I, I I was not as excited when I saw her, but that doesn't mean that she's not good. Well, I don't know, Chris. You're a Rezzer player. Is there anything about Molly Squidpidge that you're like, oh, that's uh, something? <laughs> yeah, so I never liked the original Molly, and that's not, a, it's not something I've kept from this podcast. I never really liked Molly very much. Um, she, doesn't, she never played the way I like to play the game um, mm. when it came to Rezzer's. But uh, yeah, this new uh, incarnation of her looks pretty cool. Um, so Arcane Reservoir is, I mean, who doesn't like Arcane Reservoir? I, I kind of like, well, so she's apparently like leading a parade or something. I don't like a creepy dead parade, but. Well, she's uh, got the brain baton right there. <laughs> or the, the brain, uh, what do you call it? The scepter, the brain yeah. scepter. At the beginning of the parade, you've got the guy who has the scepter. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do like her bonus ability with the uh, remember the lost. So until the end of the action, friendly forgotten models within range may cheat fate with the top card of their fate deck. If they pass a duel this way by two or more, you get to draw a card. Absolutely. So she will that, probably that's was cool. all about drawing. Anyways, Why so. in the hell do they get better bio two card? The fuck? Because <laughs> weird hates Bayou. I don't know what to tell you. I, I guess so. Man. Where's our Bayou models? <laughs> Where are they, weird? <laughs> oh, man. 
Um, I just like the idea of the noxious Nephilim. Just the, I think that model's going to look cool. And the idea of this kind of rotting, just Nephilim kind of hobbling its way across the board, trying to eat you. Creepy and terrifying and awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how I'll actually do on the table. But uh, looking at him, he looks very interesting to me specifically because all the potential combos to draw cards. I like how they took the some of these masters, the very straightforward masters. So you look at Nakima, generally pretty straightforward. Yeah. Go kill stuff. Right. I like how now they changed her to kind of, you know, be a little more interesting and complex. Right. More so. of a support, yeah, support piece. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. 100%. I like how they're doing that. They're switching it up. It's it's not just, oh, here's this slight tweak. I, I really think whoever is working for weird might have took took a page out of old War Machine's book. All right. Well, I tell you what, you guys are going to be way more impressed by the models that we reveal. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, that's, so. for, sure. that's for sure. <laughs> Anyways, uh, any last minute thoughts before we uh, get on up out of here? Uh, play games, throw salt, flip tables. I don't I'm, that's I'm, not just gonna go, I'm just going to go with play games, man. Get out there, play tournaments, <laughs> play, play in your local tourneys, go to your local game shop, play games. I tell you what, here's uh, something you all need to think about. There are some pissed off 40K players right now. So go ahead and find them 40K players and be like, hey, let me show you a real game. Absolutely. Where the company company loves you. Show you a game that has some finesse in it. Yeah. Every single time that that company starts screwing their players, we're here for you to like calm you down. It's like, it's okay. There's better stuff. Don't worry. There's better stuff. (laughs) It is one of those things where it's, if you, if you have been playing 40k and GW games for your entire tabletop career, whatever you want to call that, and then if you don't play these other games because you're just, oh, I love 40k, I love 40k. Once I think you play one of these other games, you're just like, whoa, this is this is better. Yeah. It's just it's just better. It's hands down better. Oh my god, that, that was the feeling I got when I played War Machine. I played War Machine. I'm like, this is way. There's so many more interesting choice positions in the game and you can interact with you know your own models and and do stuff to tricksy things to win the game and and malifo is even more in depth than war machine was so i definitely encourage people that are feeling the scorn and ire of you know the old gw crack machine to bring your way over to the malifo crew war machine players too everybody's welcome this game is just for everybody yeah everybody come in and enjoy yourselves yeah, and I mean, there's a lot to be said for the diff- different play styles. The last thing I'm going to leave on, because I actually thought this was funny, and I want to get uh, your opinions, Chris and Dixon, about this. Mm-hmm. So there was, and this was a 40K player who was kind of, you know, bitching out a player, kind of. They were at a tournament, and they said, I think that there should, for tournaments, there should be almost the try-hard tournament and then the casual tournament. Because they were like, I played against a casual person in a tournament. I stomped them basically with a net list. They brought a fun list and we both kind of had a miserable time because I was just beating them and they were playing their fluffy game. And it just, the game wasn't fun for either player right. because the fluffy player is mad because they're getting, you know, old, uh, you know, stomped like a, well, let's just say clubbed like a baby seal. We'll just say oh, it like that. <laughs> Whereas, you know, the other players not testing their metal because they're more competitive and they want to, you know, see how how much they can break this list. So yep. I'm just curious where you guys kind of fall when that scenario 
comes around and do we see that in Malifaux as much? So I, I have many, many friends that still play competitive 40k and, and the problem's been around since when I used to play competitive 40k. Uh, I think the game of 40k is so unbalanced that you see that all the time. Exactly what yep. you just said happens all the time. Yep. I had a, I had one story that a friend told me he is like really competitive and he was playing against another player that's like maybe half the skilled level of, of my friend, right? But he was playing a, a list that was so broken at the time that the very next week they they basically just just castrated the list, right? Yep. But because it was such an easy put in list, and my friend at the time he felt like he could do something better with another list, he got rolled. He's like, I yep. can't believe I didn't believe that the list was that stupid easy. My my opponent was making mistakes that I had to like correct them to crush me. So again, I think it's something that. 40k has a problem with in Malifaux. I haven't seen something that way. Like I haven't seen something that's like so phoned in that an idiot can actually pilot to victory. So I'm happy for that at least. Well, and kind of going to what you're saying, I mean, I agree because 40k that's always been the stick. It's yeah. new codex comes out. New codex is powerful. Everybody plays that codex. That's what wins the tournaments. Next one comes out, nerfs that one a little bit, move on. Whereas Malifaux, I haven't had that experience in tournaments yet. Even the people that are better than me. So even my first tournament I went to a, a year and a half, two years ago, probably two years ago now, mm-hmm. where I was new, I only had about six games under my belt. I had a blast. I didn't win a game, but I still had fun trying to kill stuff. Still had fun with you know the, the theme of the list I was playing. Uh, and honestly... If you lose a game eight to two, I mean, that doesn't feel any worse or better than losing a game, you know, six to four, you know, the differential is not as big. And, and plus you can even kill a lot of your opponent's crew and still lose the game as a new player. And you're like, holy crap, I just straight up murdered you, but you still won. And that's a cool feeling as well. So I think there's a lot less of just the, you you can't just say I'm going to play this master because this master isn't good at all the different strats and schemes. That's where another thing happens. You can't just netlist one one crew. So Absolutely. You you literally describe my two games with my brother. Yeah. I recently, since I'm in Puerto Rico again, so I've been trying to get my brother to get into the game. He likes it. He's now making lists and stuff. Yeah. I played him, and it, we're playing 25 point games with a henchman leader to make it more simple for him to get used to it. First game he lost, I think it was like six to one or something like that. Second game, he was a little bit more ready and he lost five to four, but he killed every one of my models except for one. Yeah. And he was excited. And like you said, he killed more. I killed maybe one of his models and he killed like four. And he was super happy and excited. And when he lost, he's like, oh, man, I guess I shouldn't be focusing on killing so much. And I was like, I guess yeah, I should play right. the game. Yeah, it's, it's like, that's exactly right, Brian. You like need to like figure out <laughs> like what yeah. are the points. Yeah. It, and I like that. Like exactly what you said. Not, not only have I seen it multiple times, but like just recently it happened to me. Like, yeah. And, and Chris, I know you playing a lot of War Machine. You have seen that firsthand with the... The super hardcore players just steamrolling noobs. Absolutely. Absolutely, I have. I'm enjoying Malifaux a lot more because, I mean, you know, 
exactly what y'all were saying. I was playing, you know, in a tournament. I stomped the other person, but we had fun the entire time. I mean, it wasn't downcast. He wasn't upset by it. You know, he lost, you know, it was like 6-0 or something like that. But he had fun playing the game. And Well, and that was even that game you played in Georgia, you know, almost a year ago now, Chris. You played that brand new player who was playing. Well, he wasn't brand new, but he was playing Pandora. Yeah. And I think you knew more about what Pandora did. And, and you actually kind of walked, I, him, through yeah, it, I walked right? him through it. I walked him through it. And I was like, hey, if you do this, he was going to do something. I was like, hey, if you do this, you know, you're going to regret it. I'm going to do this and do this. And, you know, and I told him, like, if you, if, you know, if you really want to play that, you know, that, that way, then do this instead. Well, also, and you guys can speak to this as well. I think Malifaux is a, an interesting game because I can, when I played Guild Ball, Dixon, you definitely can speak to this. Guild Ball, you didn't want to feed points to your opponent because if there was a bad swing, you could lose the game. Uh-huh. So if I'm playing a new player or a newer player, I don't want to feed them a goal because all of a sudden if they get two quick goals, just and even if it's random luck, yeah. you then lose the game. Whereas in Malifaux, I can be sitting there stomping a player and I can say, you want to know what? I'm going to go ahead and send my Iron Skeeter that way. He can he can interact with it. He can kill it, whatever he wants to do. Yep. But I'm still scoring my points. Yep. There's, uh, it's not – none of these games have a comeback mechanic. But Malifaux's flow of the game makes it so that it's more – more uh, equal in terms of like who can score what. If yeah. you start trying to score points after turn three, you're gonna lose. You need to start scoring points in, uh, the, since turn, turn two. two. Turn so two. like you can you can see who's gonna win or lose basically by the end of turn three, beginning of turn four. You can like see. I was like, okay, so I guess we don't need to play it anymore, or we can continue on and see you know what happens in turn five. But like yeah. in, in War Machine, I'm one inch into your your threat range. Oh, I guess I lost. Like, I don't yeah. know how many times that happened where, like, I'm playing against somebody and they don't realize I, my threat range is 22 inches, so you have to, like, do X, Y, and Z. Or oh, they didn't do X, Y, and Z. Now they're dead. Uh, Guild Ball. I play prison style because it's the best way to play Guild Ball. You deny points to your opponent while you're slowly scoring points and momentum. You know, 40k, kill shit. Just kill every shit that you can ever get <laughs> points yeah i i think i think that is what really and why you don't see this in malifaux as much right because you and i can look at the same pool and we can play the game completely different you can want to go kill stuff to get your points and i can be like no i'm gonna go actually go scheme and just try to kind of slow you down a bit and that's how i'm gonna win the game so it it just it's more interesting for both sides and it's engaging both sides you have chances to save your models easier like you can if you play 40k and you just you you don't get an armor save which i think is when you play those op lists it's a lot of you don't get this and i get a bunch of re-rolls right is usually what equates to the bad feels and the super op stuff Dude. whereas in malifaux if you do something dirty usually not always but yep. usually i have a chance to cheat to either mitigate or stone to mitigate the damage or put you on a negative somehow so it it has some playability to prevent the bad crap from get being super bad. Also, like in 40k, yeah, you each are going to have different secondary objectives, but every single seg- secondary objective that I've ever seen is kill shit. Like everything that I've seen in 40k is kill shit. Uh, yeah, it is. 
it's just different types of shit. It's like, okay, kill all the psychers, kill all the heavy support, kill all the infantry. Well, and that was the thing, and I this this dates how long ago I played 40k, but it was always differential in victory points. So you would get a minor, major, or you know, a massacre, depending on how little you lost and how much you killed. Now you get points now. You get points now equal to how well you're doing each of the objectives. Yeah, like, and that started like, coming around when I stopped playing, but <laughs> I, I was kind of like, yeah, no, that's why I still were, it was still encouraging you to keep your stuff, but massacre their stuff. Yeah, no, that's why, like I said, it's like the flow of Malifaux, even though none of these games have a combat mechanic, the flow of Malifaux allows games to be closer. That's why sometimes our games go six, five, four, three. Yeah. And they f- you feel it's like, oh, man, we have to go all the way through to find out who is going to win. Yeah. So I think that was an interesting thing. Some people were fault. I mean, so let's go back to it. It doesn't happen in Malifaux that much. But do you fault a higher skilled player for wanting to play against higher skilled players and not new, not newer or fluffy players? Because hmm. they people were actually mad at this player because they were like, well, you're kind of gatekeeping. And, you know, how come they can't have fun with their fluffy list? And he's like, well. I'm competitive. I don't, I feel bad when I smash them, but I want to see, it's kind of like playing competitive magic. You want to see how broken and busted you can get it. Mm. And that's the level you want to play at, not the fluffy fun level. I personally, I mean, it's hard to explain. Cause like, I know a lot of people that still feel that way, but in my experience, crushing noobs, quote unquote, doesn't teach you anything. But that's why he wants to play against competitive and not noobs. See, that right there, you are going to burn yourself out. I think that's a sure. health issue more than anything else. I think if you want to play, play only competitive players, have at it. But I wouldn't recommend that to everybody. I would recommend play your competitive practice games and then play for fun, see casual lists. Well, well, Dixon, you do know that competitive players did kill Gil Ball. So, I mean, we know <laughs> that kills games. Oh, <laughs> Little uh, shout out to my Guild Ball homies on the podcast. I'm so glad I hated but Guild like, Ball. Honest, honest to God, to all the, the competitive players out there, I have talked to uh, now four of my friends who got burned out on the game on Malifaux because we were playing on the on the World Series. I suffer a little bit of burnout. I don't know if you guys remember, like four or five months yeah. ago. Yeah. I needed to like take a small break and I started playing like Outcast and stuff for like a month and a half. Yeah. And and my friends took a break, and right now one of them is about to take a break after the team tournament. It, it's just it kills you. It kills your passion for the game. If you just do competitive gaming, you need to sometimes let off steam. I will yeah. play the 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 crossroad sevens every now and then because I want to learn how to play them, and at the same time because they're fun to play. I play well, and and games. that's why you need to get back to in store play if you ask me, because that's where you do the grow leagues. That's where you do the fun leagues. That's where on you know a tuesday night you'll meet with people and you'll be like i got this funny ass list i want to drop let's see what it does yeah i got these weird uh, yeah i got this weird combo with a field reporter and investigator i want to see what it does well i mean i played a a list well we got at least a a couple turns in i had to end up leaving but i played this list against chris yesterday where i literally had no stones with maw and it was mostly minions the only non-minion was like big brain brin and (laughs) <laughs> I took a rooster rider and turn one instead of just getting the lodestone next to one of the um, markers in my deployment. Yeah. I actually ran him into the middle to score that one. 
And then I was going to run him to score the other one, but then he died because roosters die, you know. But it was still fun as hell. Did that to a stiff breeze, but like that—that's awesome. That's the—that's the first thing that you. I was like, I was like, Chris, bet you didn't think that rooster was going to end up there. Right (laughs) Right in the, it was right in the middle of your crew too. It was right in the middle of my crew, (laughs) but it was EPS, so. Oh, I mean, your robot was scary. (laughs) Dude, no. What's the Haka guy's name? Is it Harata? Harata. That dude is good. That dude is good. Yeah. All right. Well, can I? Yeah. He's definitely good. I that model puts out decent damage and punishes you if you don't win your flips. <laughs> uh, can I share? Can I share a little secret, a little uh, confession, if you will, to uh, to the world? If you guys don't mind, so go for I it. Mean, it's okay. Feel free to come out. So I am coming out. I I am thinking about playing a couple of Arcanist Masters on the side. <gasps> I feel dirty for it. I don't think. You know, I, I might need to go into rehab or something, but... Bayou players everywhere, you have been betrayed. Betrayed. <laughs> I, I mean, I showed a couple pictures because, you know, playing Mayfang and stuff. And yeah. and I was just like, do I like Arcanist now? No. Do I? <laughs> and I was like, no, no. Uh, but I think it goes back to just trying to freshen up the game. And it just felt good to play a different faction. Yes. And I didn't hate I I like Hoffman. May Fang has some interesting things. And then I was also talking to Chris, and especially with Harada, I think playing performers would be pretty fun. And the models are gorgeous. I just want to paint that crew. Dude, that, so, I, think, okay. I don't I think, think I painted those, so you could feel free to. I you know I will. I'll tote. Yeah, I think Colette's as long as it's the new box. I like the new box better than the two E one. Oh, <laughs> I All think right, that's but... gonna be a problem again. By the way, you, you think so? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When she starts going onto the table more, because uh, right now in the in the World Series, she is uh, she's doing some damage, doing work. Oh yeah, Colette? yeah. Flag is with, using her. Yeah, with uh, Harata. Yep. Yeah, it's sick. So, and since you brought it up, what specifically about Harada makes Colette even worse? That Haka, the Haka that makes it so that uh, you can't get plus uh, pluses. It makes yeah. it so that every single time she sticks uh, distracted on you, it's basically permanent until you use it. So, like, she's, she slaps distracted plus three on somebody. That person is pretty much useless unless they somehow get assisted or attacks three times or something like that. Yeah, super dumb. Okay. I'm gonna, I'll play it, Chris, again. I'll try to figure out how to play Colette, and we'll see how dumb it gets. <laughs> yeah. Right. Colette is a, uh, is a rep. Uh, oh, definitely. Yeah, you got to get your reps on with Colette. Yeah, uh, the first time you actually get your reps or oh, Presto Changeo, that's gonna be a problem. <laughs> Isn't that where like she moves you like halfway across the board? She, she moves herself. She changes two people, so like she can take her beater that's also a, a performer like Cassandra, and take your beater that already activated and swap them. Yeah. <laughs> and then now you have you know. Cassandra can activate all the way forward, or it seems infuriating. Oh my god, yes! <laughs> Stop dancing around me, you annoying woman! <laughs> god, oh uh, yeah. All right, any last minute thoughts before we get on up out of here, gentlemen? Negative. All right. Well, I think with that being said, we're good. And uh, flip cards, flip them tables, and we'll see you all next time. <laughs>